0: We already are dealing with feelings of shame and fear from our colonial history from being queer from being women it's like if it's the one mechanism that is going to be utilized against us it's going to be shame and it's going to be our friends here yeah i feel like in creating soft spaces we need to think about how we would want to be held we need to utilize wise compassion Like, how does it feel to be held and heard? And how do you create those spaces for the other persons in our communities?
1: Welcome to the Under the Sycamore Tree podcast. It's Devan of Curly Stated, Jackie, our writer and researcher, back with you for the honor of guiding you through our final episode. We're delighted to invite you into our yard to hold space under the sycamore tree with one another for this episode, Sealing This Sankofa. With this our final episode, we round out the podcast by tying it back to all the forces that create the conditions against which the WZL Caribbean grantees are organizing. We highlight the need for better models of funding for the region, and we hear from our organizers what they're leaving at the altar we've built here under the sycamore tree. Together, we'll receive their loving offerings to the present and future Caribbean women and queer people doing this
2: work. So, when all the paths have been walked, all the threads traveled, some twice and thrice over, that which I call I will eventually fragment and dissolve and my essence will return to whence it came the journey will be complete the tapestry finished it is not a death but it is still an end balanced probabilities unformed realities waiting for a critical choice to be made and witnessed we are not more or less than they are we are different and rare their expectations should not cannot limit us good let us observe and experiment and see what we are made of to a hundred years or a thousand or whatever may be given let's return
1: to the map from our previous episode contemplating a caribbean rematriation indigenous women's organizing we ended in the heart of Guyana in the Makushi territory of North Rupununi, to be exact. Let us hop back south into South Rupununi and then skip and jump into Suriname, the southeastern boundary of this podcast. Now let's take flight one last time to feel this Sankofa. As we power up, we'll fly northwest, past Guyana again and over Venezuela and the northern tip of Colombia, until we reach the center of our sea, the Caribbean Sea. We'll hover here, claiming this as the vantage point of our for link, from which we seal this episode. Let us take a wide, holistic view of our region from here.
2: Look to the northwest, and take in Belize, planted on the Yucatan Peninsula's eastern end like the cool side of a brick wall at midday. From here, we receive the organizing stories of Power, Petal, Our Circle, and Toledo Maya Women's Council. Now shift your gaze due east, passing over the Cayman Islands to Jamaica. Here we received organizing stories from Carrot Flags, We Change, and Eve for Life. Let us continue shifting to the East, passing our sights over Quesquea, also known as Haiti and the Dominican Republic, Puerto Rico, all of the Virgin Islands, and St. Kitts and Nevis. Let us rest here at Antigua and Barbuda, from where we we received the stories of Sewell, Integrated Health Outreach, and Intersect Antigua. Continue to trace your sight eastwards following the trail of the Lesser Antilles, south to St. Lucia, where we received the stories of Helen's daughters and girls of a feather. We'll keep moving further south down the island chain to Grenada, where we heard from Sweetwater Foundation. From this southwestern corner of our regional ring, we will begin to come full circle, moving our sights south past Trinidad and Tobago, and then east to the center of South America's northernmost coast. From Guyana, we receive Guibo, Guyana Trans United, Makushi Research Unit, and Wapichan Women's Movement. And finally, here we are at the southeastern edge of the Caribbean. Our gazes float over to Suriname, where we took in stories from Sioux Coast and Women's Way Foundation. Take a deep, deep breath with me now as we sink into this final portal, this portal to seal our Sankofa. Hold this deep breath. Exhale out and breathe in again so that we may maintain this height
3: and these views. From this place, let us review the portals we traveled together under the sycamore tree. We began the Sankofa Link with the historiography of feminist and queer justice movements in our region. Remember, historiography is about the way we narrate our histories, not just the facts of the histories themselves. In this historiography, we sat with how the Caribbean is present at the beginning and ending of things, working through these beginnings and endings as multiple and potential. And within each, Beginning and ending are lessons and portals, which, if you're listening to this episode, you might just care to seek out. Through this podcast, we visited the beginnings of European colonization and its ending in ongoing imperialism, as well as another of its endings climate change. We visited the beginning of blackness, along with one of its potential endings revolution and another liberation. We also visited the beginnings of European fascism. One of its endings takes us back to the beginning of colonization and its end in imperialism. Another one of these endings takes us further afield to the myth of the independent Black post-colonial republic. Which led us to freefall. Tumbling towards what? Tumbling headfirst into the vantage point you cultivate for yourselves. These vantage points shape your collectivities within your very own Sankofas. And what a joy, full, fruitful, trying, agonizing joy, it would be to link all of these, our Sankofas, together. Just what might we get? It was at this point that we claimed our elders, starting with Colin Robinson, hopefully resting and reveling within another plane. And with Colin as our guide, we fell headfirst
4: into this podcast. I've actually been writing for 30 years. So I began writing when I um, was living in the U.S. as an illegal immigrant after... As one finishing my degree that I was supposed to finish on the People's Government Scholarship. And Here, I found... That'll be in your autobiography, of course, as <laughs> well, soon to come. There was this magical moment in 1986 um, where um, LGBT people began finding voice, in part because of the HIV epidemic, because the costs of silence were becoming so high. And I talked in a piece that I wrote um, before this was published. um, You know, as the thrust flowered on our tongues, we found, you know, a voice kind of simultaneously.
1: Alongside Colin, we began a story of our movement. In our first batch of stories, we reconnected with elders and considered the role of eldership in queer activism. We received testimony on the precedent setting Guyana TransUnited case. We sat with the families of our Caribbean movement, and we considered the role of youth in our movement and how we can see them stray. We also took a look at the different ways Caribbean organizers are benchmarking our collectivities, tying our collective configurations with our embodiment.
3: Let's receive this all with a deep breath and through it, nestle down into your body. Keep breathing purposefully, noticing just how your breath moves and works without you correcting it. Meditate with us on these offerings. How is your somatic alchemy moving? What is coming up within you, around you? We'll also take this moment to begin making the altar of our podcast. So one of the joys of this podcast was gathering an altar of all the places and people who held space with us. And we bring this altar for you. Right here, right now, we start gathering and collecting those pieces that were dropped in each episode. Carla asked each of our participants to leave something behind for this space. It could be a thought, an object, a wish, anything. This is what's gathered on our altar.
5: I am... I want those words to resonate with everyone who comes into this space and make it their own. I am here. And however that manifests, however it demonstrates, however, whichever way they express it, starting with that self. Yeah. And that integrity so, and that truth for oneself.
6: Yeah. That's all you need.
5: I think one of the fundamental elements that that um, I think many persons interacting in this virtual space that you're creating would need to bring or take um really about that that openness, the energy to want to exchange, um, I think because the rest has to sort of flow from that. Let us continue to do the work. Let us do the work, fearlessness. Let me put our fear aside and to continue to go out. It might be challenges every day, you might feel that. And I was saying only yesterday to the community, we had a session yesterday at the office and I was saying to my community member, individual changes sometimes take longer than community changes. I was even talking about our cross-dressing law, we were able to have the safe space that are there, we were able to have our office space and all these things. So I said movement for it individually, like a bit more stick with community, change it. I want us to continue to work tirelessly to change art and mind. If we can get art and mind change, I think we will talk to the world. Mm. You don't have to like me, Mm -hmm. but we could coexist. Yeah. Just respect us as human beings that we can be able to coexist. Yeah. An object that I always like to leave is the mirror because what you put out is what you get so you look at that and it is what it is you can't expect miracle you can't expect it to be what's not there you know and I say that in terms of it will be what you make of it Um, so it would be the mirror, you know, to always remind yourself of the true you. be true to you. I, I always engage persons and tell them, you can, you may lie to me and you may lie to, but you have to be true to you. So the mirror is the perfect object for you to be true to you.
0: I was reading this uh, blog post by Mia Mingus, she does disability justice and this quote is perfect. It says, what if we welcome the quickening of of our pulse and the beating of our hearts as signals of being alive and caring? And what is most important to us, our relationships with each other? What if we listen to that fear, the fear of losing someone important to us or of losing ourselves? And, And honestly. Uh, it, that That is the sermon. What if we cared? What if we move from places of care and of love and even practicing accountability with love? I think that is so important when we want to hold each other and the things that we're doing and saying, Hey, maybe not the best way for us to support each other, or support the community. Could we possibly consider this? And what if con- uh, accountability wasn't fueled by shame and fear? We already are being, we already are dealing with feelings of shame and fear from our colonial history, mm-hmm. from being queer, from being women. It's like if it's the one mechanism that is going to be utilized against us, it's going to be shame and it's going to be our friends here. Yeah. I feel like in creating soft spaces, we need to think about how we would want to be held. We need to utilize wise yeah. compacts, like, how does it feel to be held and heard? And how do you create those spaces for the other persons in our communities?
3: We thank Larry, Lucien, Candacy, Cherise, and Jante for what they left us.
1: In our second batch of stories, we considered the language and leadership of our movement, our need for sex workers at the front of our movement, our relationship to land and labor through some of the cooperatives present among us, and the work of indigenous women organizers. The participants in our second batch of episodes also left some things for this space. Let's see what they offered us. So let's start with what Michelle Irving of Power and Delis MacDonald of Sewell left us. People might
6: be attracted to this work because it looks sexy, right? But this work is realm work, it, it, it requires a lot of sweat equity. I am here to want to leave the Holy Spirit, the female Holy Spirit, because she has to be female, because she's everywhere. She knows everything and she's just right where she needs to be, when she needs to be there. So for sure, I have convinced myself that the Holy Spirit is a woman. Oh my! So um, yes. So I am leaving her at your altar, and so this is just these are just some thoughts, and I just want to share that because how do we then start to explain our our world and start to make sure that it makes sense for us as women? And so um, that's what I want to leave at an altar on the altar i would like to leave a quote it's something um i saw shared by bernice king the daughter of martin Luther King Reverend Martin Luther King Jr and she says i'm believing in the possibility of a just humane equitable and peaceful world and i too share in that belief and and even more so for us, the people of the Caribbean, a just, humane, equitable, and peaceful Caribbean.
1: Then, let's check with Denise Carr and Philona Roberts of Sulcoast and what they left for us.
0: We ourselves is doing, you know, our campaigns. We're not- We don't want anyone to say, but this is what sex workers are facing. We faced this yesterday. We faced that last night. This happened two years years ago. So, for me, I don't want to relieve my little quote human rights is human rights. It doesn't have faith, it doesn't have sexuality. Human rights are human rights. Um, I would say
6: to the politicians, firstly, please see sex workers as sex workers. Put policy to place. Stop decriminalizing sex workers. I'll see us as humans. As part of everything, we are humans.
1: Next, we have Keifling Carew of Helen's Daughters and Dr. Nicola of Integrated Health Outreach. Let's hear what they left in the space. It's a really hard question, um, but a few things um, that we're only getting started. Um, And again, I'm very rebellious, so um, I think we just need to keep up that rebellion, that rebelliousness against um, breaking down systems, changing systems, Pushing down doors, breaking down barriers, and understanding that this work is important and we have to keep going no matter what.
0: When you asked at the very beginning, no. it came to me a heart like, yeah. this is all about heart work. It comes from the heart. I don't think you can, when you're in for the not for profit, working in spaces, it's all about your heart. Um, and you know, we can, we can be brain dead, but we can't live without a heart. So, um, that's primary. So that's what I leave with it. That's the energy, the love we come from love, you know, and that's what we're coming for. And, um, that's what sustains us through all of it, the difficulties, the challenges, the passion from the heart. Well, that that's what, for me, that's for sure.
1: <laughs> Finally, we have Amira Tool of Toledo Maya Women's Council who left something not only for the space, but for her young child, Mirai. Mirai sat through almost five hours of interviews for this podcast with her mother. Yes, we counted. So we're counting Mirai as the youngest participant in the Sankofa circle. Big up you, Mirai. Over the 23 months of our work on this podcast, we had the joy of seeing Mirai grow from a baby sleeping in arms to a toddler who made very clear when we were taking up too much of her mommy's time our work of today is what amira's daughter and so many more of our children with us now or soon to come will inherit so let us close with what amira left for mirai and us in this space
7: is there anything that you would like to leave on this safe space for Mirai in a virtual safe space is there anything that you would like to leave for her that she can take and use
6: in her future uh, really? yeah. um, my response to that the last time was um, others would be part of a safe space and I said no, is for them to always believe that they are in You know, you know that that I am in. You know. Um so with regard to samurai. Hmm. Oh boy that uh that's a hard one. Um I am uh I am a single mother. So I I let you see I I try to um to give my all to her you, you know to not only provide our her, her basic needs but to to ensure that I am um, I am there for whatever need she, she may have. Um uh, yeah. And I I see that because the one um her 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 complexion is different from that of my 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 niece. My niece is a Um she's a bit More dark skin, brown skin gal, Mm -hmm. and um, while well, I would be um, ignorant to say that Alessandro Astia has noticed that as they have, and um, you know, sometimes when I'm changing my eye. After her, but Alessandra said, "Look at that little brown body mm-hmm. you, you know, and he's so innocent in saying that, and and I've I've tried to teach him that. I I know it comes from an innocent part, yeah yeah you, you know, but I also know that. It can be interpreted very negatively. So I I try to teach him that we don't need to say things like that, you know. And it's okay for us to be different. And I I, I believe that if I should leave something for her. Yeah, It's not only for her to believe that she is enough, but for her to believe that being different is being unique, is being beautiful, and being different is her superpower.
3: Through these first episodes, we pursued the full, rich story of our movement. But here we also want to begin to address something else. Still related, but still something else. Our funders wanted to make this podcast in large part to increase the profile of Caribbean feminists and queer organizations and compel more fundings into the space. Why is this necessary? Why does it feel like the Caribbean is frequently overshadowed by our Latin American neighbors? Why? Just why is the Caribbean tucked away in the world's geopolitical margins, under blue skies and fluffy white clouds, on rocks, working out things tamely in mostly Black-led, cross-racial, paradisical limbo? For now, we want to name something which we believe is a major cause of the underestimation of our movements, U.S. imperialism, and how U.S. imperialism very specifically undermines the ways we are crucial to feminist and queer solidarity in the global South and for the global majority and for diasporic formations. Hear how Barbara Christian, celebrated Black feminist scholar, born and grown in St. Thomas, USVI, expounds on this in her noted article, The Race for Theory. Periphery, too, is a word I heard throughout my childhood. For if anything was seen as being at the periphery, it was those small Caribbean islands which had neither land mass nor military power. Still, I noted how intensely important this periphery was for U.S. troops were continually invading one island or another if any change in political control seemed to be occurring. The late Dr. Christian is pointing out an incommensurability in the womanist sense that exists in this space. Womanism and black feminism push us to be courageous enough to recognize those things which cannot be reconciled, the problems without available solutions. It is a joy and an honor to bring this podcast to you, but in other ways, it's also ridiculous. We've been here before, we've been queer, and we and our elders been doing the work. In the Caribbean, in Latin America, in the United States of America, and in Australia, and probably the Pacific Islands too. U.S. imperialism is working its own portals, tucking us, our labor, our land, our lives away, and really, rather unfortunately, it's been too effective.
1: Let's also hear how queer former USVI state senator, Janelle K. Surrell, feels about living in a Caribbean U.S. colony. Respectfully, as an American born in an American territory, I can't honestly celebrate Independence Day. Until those in the territories gain the right to vote, until their representatives in Congress can vote, until all the rights of Amendment 14 extends to us, then, and only then, will I say happy July the 4th. The U.S. territories are the perfect example of taxation without representation. The Amendment 14, Senator Seurat references, is the constitutional provision which updates the definition of U.S. citizen include the newly emancipated slaves. So her post pairs quite nicely with Frederick Douglass's famous, what to the slave is the 4th of July, don't you think, rounding it out to include black and other folks in the US colonies. This is also a great time to name the Monroe Doctrine, the 200-year-old US policy which claims all of the Western Hemisphere as its sphere of influence. This doctrine claims European domination of Latin America and the Caribbean as US inheritance, and is still very much in place. But all of our hemisphere's nations are dominated equally. Why does it seem like the black nations get the bottom end of this already too short stick? This matters because this order of operations extends to how our movement is received globally. That is, often ignored, mistaken as peripheral, treated as a non-entity, Why, when you picture feminists and queer organizing in the Americas you don't picture Afro-Caribbean people and indigenous people in Belize and Guyana and Suriname and throughout the Caribbean. We are naming for you our colleagues out there, fellow organizers and funders that we intend to claim our place within global majority feminist and queer movements.
2: Look this isn't magic realism this is not another story about superstitious island people and their primitive beliefs no you don't get off that easily this is a story about people as real as you and i are you may as well stop to consider a more urgent question not whether you believe in this story or not but whether this story is about the kinds of people you have never taken the time to believe in. The great philosophical question goes, if a tree falls in a forest and no one is around to hear, does it make a sound? But this is a troubling question, exalting one kind of being above all others. What then of the ears of snake? or wood frogs, or mice, or bugs, do they not count? What then of grass, or stone, of earth? Does their witness not matter? If women, femmes, feminists, and queer people organize in the Caribbean, and only their communities, their regional courts, and a few government officials and funders bear witness, has change been made, Precedents set, power gained? Perhaps it is time, at last, to make space in yourself to believe such stories and to believe the people who tell them. Go now then, back down to earth, and then to... Toledo District on the southern tip of the Yucatan Peninsula across the Caribbean Sea past Jamaica and the Windward Islands down the trail of the beloved Leeward Islands to the southeastern tip of South America where the Rukununi River tributary flows into the Essequibo River and empties out into the Atlantic Ocean. Sit on a veranda and just be still. Just listen. Now let the night settle into all the corners of that dismal little valley. Let the mongrel dogs settle into the potholes where they sleep. Let the music of speaker boxes play some sweet reggae music. And let the guns bark. Let the folks seated around the corner shop slap their dominoes on the table. Let everything find its rhythm. And then wait for someone, another elder perhaps, to turn their face towards the sea. Wait for our visions to begin. Now, I need
1: you to take a deep breath as we begin to seal this episode. First, I'll tell you what I am taking away as well as what I am leaving in this space. Then, you'll hear from our team. They'll each also leave something in the space. And then, of course, as always, we'll turn to Colin visiting his plane to seal this episode. What I would like to leave for this space, for all of those listening, is the spirit of curiosity. Um, It was curiosity that brought me here, curiosity that held me here, um, and curiosity that would propel us forward. Just remain curious about those around you, those in your community, curious about your ideals, your values, and where they came from, and how you might even change them. Curious about what the future could look like and how we could work to achieve it. Over the last two to three years or so, I've been joining numerous short courses from U.S. St. Augustine, the Shiro's course, just trying to learn more about Caribbean feminism, Caribbean activism, women activism, queer activism. Um, and I, while I did, learn from those courses. I don't think I learned as much as I did while creating this podcast. Um, Just really being able to delve into the work, speaking to the organizations themselves, speaking to the elders themselves, has been so fulfilling and has given me this wealth of knowledge that I don't think I would have been able to access any other way. And so that's what I'm taking from this podcast.
3: Oh boy. So, I can't lead leave much more to this podcast than what I've already put in so much in two years of work and so many friendships and relationships gained and new world access so you've taken in what I've left and you're hearing even more what I've gained I want to leave you one last time with a few poems by Kai And so I think, draw me a map of what you see, then I will draw a map of what you never see. And guess me whose map will be bigger than whose. Guess me whose map will tell the larger truth. The secret roads and slavering roads, the dirging roads, marooning roads, the cow roads and cobbled roads, the estate roads and the backbush roads, the moral roads and bauxite roads, the causeway roads and Chinese roads, the press along, the soon be done, the not an easy, the mighty long. So many, oh so many roads we trod upon, and every mile another song. I love y'all for receiving my work. I'm so grateful. Hi, my name is Jareen Patmore, the executive
1: producer of Under the Sycamore Tree podcast. As we close out our project, I am struck by the courage and resilience of all the organizations that we featured. But our work is far from over. Challenges continue to persist in the Caribbean and the solutions demand our resources, resilience and compassion. I'm grateful for the work that we've done on Under the Sycamore Tree. And I hope that it has inspired our listeners to take action in their own spaces, families, and communities. Hi, everyone. My name is Ashley, and I was the outreach coordinator for this podcast. Queer Caribbean stories exist, and this podcast is proof that sharing our personal experiences is necessary for our collective survival. I'm grateful to have played a role in a project as delicately woven and passionately told. The Caribbean feminist point of view. I hope you enjoy.
7: I'd like to leave two things on this virtual altar. I'd like to leave kindness and I'd like to leave peace. Kindness, especially to ourselves, because when we're doing this type of work that is about supporting communities, and especially communities that are vulnerable and marginalized it can start to feel so frustrating when you're working on something for years and you don't see what feels like meaningful change and it can feel like what member did our work here for and in those moments I hope that we can remember to be kind to ourselves and to remember that it took hundreds and thousands of years to create these problems we are not going to solve them in a month and peace one of the things that has come to mean so much to me over time is that feeling of being peaceful and being at peace and stepping out of survival mode and warrior mode and every other mode that I have put myself into to just experience something that is still and beautiful and free to me if I want it. So kindness and peace to those of us who are doing this work now, to those who are in the future, to those who have done it in the past, who are still with us or who are now in the ancestral realm, kindness
3: and peace. I'm so grateful to y'all for holding space with us under the sycamore tree. I'm grateful for the sycamore tree. I'm grateful to be able to have worked on this for two years during a pandemic. An immense thank you to all who participated in this podcast, all of their work, and all that they've left and entrusted to us under the sycamore tree. A major heartfelt thank you to our wider communities of activists, organizers, friends, and allies, those whose bodies are the sinew and the tissue, the oxygen and the adrenaline of our movements. And a very important thank you to my mom. Mom, mommy, I love you dearly. And I hope you enjoy taking part in this podcast. She is Jamaican born and grown, also of Bayesian heritage, and she enjoys quietly listening to our Rebel Women Lit Book Club meetings while cooking Sunday dinner, soaking in all we, her posterity, have to say. She is the source of my love for reading as a librarian who was first trained in Jamaica.
2: I'm thinking about what I wish somebody had told me when I was a young woman or a teenager, which is that you should value yourself. You are worth it. And don't bring anybody else into your space, into your orbit, if they are not worthy of you. Also very important for those of you who have the stewardship of young children, children young and old, please read to them. Read to them before they can read, but when they can read by themselves, just let them read for fun. Reading doesn't always have to be for learning. Let them read anything they want, whether comics, whether series books, The Hardy Boys and Nancy Drew, I read when I was coming up, and people said, kids shouldn't read series books. I read all of those things, but what is just important, just provide a child with books from a very early age and just read to them and then let them read for fun. It's one of the best things you can do to prepare your children for the world they're going into.
4: We also have to make the work um, rewarding and meaningful. Very often, when you talk about working on the essence, people grow. You know, it feels like going to the dentist. Mm-hmm. And uh, the work that we do has to be because we care about each other, because we, you know, feel a certain sense of connection and a commitment to each other that's driving the work. And we're not doing it because of political correctness or because, you know, teacher said so.
3: Great. We hope that in the next iteration of the story of our movement, we will be able to properly cover disabled communities, disability advocacy going on in the region, and how crip theory really is everything. Until then, let us turn to Colin, hear his echo for the final time of this podcast.
4: And there's this persistent narrative that we tend to paint I been love to embrace that we're backward, you know, that we're homophobic. It's a culture, it's a culture. Mm -mm. And we need to break that sense of ourselves. We need to break that sense of um, our governments. We need to break that sense because it's a stereotype and it's a racist stereotype. I've seen it operate as a racist stereotype internationally. This
7: episode was produced by Rebel Women Lit and Queerly Stated, with support from Astrea Lesbian Foundation for Justice, Equality Fund, and Global Affairs Canada. Research and writing by Jackie Brown. Script editing and project management by David Moses. Editing and sound by Jerrine Patmore and Sophia Chenier. And outreach by Ashley Daly. Remember to head on over to the show notes to find the details of the organizers featured in our episode and rebelwomenlit.com for additional references. Thank you so much for
3: joining me, your host, Carla Moore, Under the Sycamore Tree.